Please pray with me. Lord God, I pray that you would powerfully inhabit this house, Lord, that you have made. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would give me the words, Lord, which uh, we need to hear, that you would open our ears and our hearts and our minds that we might receive you, and that you would bless uh, this service today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. morning. Happy Palm Sunday. It's so good to see you all. Now, I, uh, last week I was just in New Orleans. Anyone ever been to New Orleans before? Yeah, that's right. And in New Orleans they have this thing called Mardi Gras. Anyone ever heard of this? Right out here we call it Shrove Tuesday. It doesn't have quite the same catch as like Mardi Gras does. And uh, in Mardi Gras in New Orleans they like roll through town all dressed up weird and on these giant floats and they throw out handfuls of doubloons, they're these gold coins, and, uh, and beads, kind of like these beads, right? Subtle. <laughs> kind of go with anything, right? They throw just loads of these things out. And as we were driving through New Orleans, they have so many of these oak-covered streets, like they're covered by these giant oak trees. And in these trees are still hanging just mountains and mountains of beads, from people throwing them as they were going by on their floats. So it's just, it's like Spanish moss, like glitzy Spanish moss coming down out of these trees. It's amazing. But you know what's happened is Mardi Gras was what, six weeks ago? Right, what do you think has happened to these beads sitting in those trees for six weeks? Yeah, they're starting, like, it's rained, it's been sunny, it's been hot, and the beads don't look so beady anymore. Right, they're looking pretty pale and faded, washed out. The colors just kind of washed away out of them. This time of year, they're kind of dull. That zeal, that brightness, that reflective beauty that was on those beads on Mardi Gras is gone now. It's faded away. Our palms, too, right? Palm Sunday, how long do you think these will be nice for? A couple of days, maybe, right? But the... the process of deterioration started as soon as they were cut off that plant, right? That was the end of these palms, right? The beginning of the end for them. And do you all know Ash Wednesday, where the ashes come from? Yeah, this year's palms next year are burned and become the ashes for that Ash Wednesday, right? It's this pattern we have in life that things get old, they decay, they die. And even if we want to preserve them, it doesn't last. They eventually are going to go that way. Now, the beauty of this Palm Sunday service is that it turns so well. It goes from joy right in the beginning. We're all like, Hosanna, yay, Jesus, coming to town. We've got the triumphal entry, and everyone is excited about that. We're waving our palm fronds. We get to hear the handbells. There's a lot of joy and excitement. But what just happened in our gospel passage that we read? Yeah, Jesus was killed, right? And there was no cheering at that point. Sadness entered. Suddenly the service, the whole thing, shifted. The triumphal entry, that joyous occasion, ended in the greatest tragedy ever wrought upon a human being. Jesus didn't continue continue from the triumphal entry into this nice ascent to the thrones of power on this earth. Instead, he suffered shame and death upon the cross for us. One particular section of this narrative, I think, tells it well. It explains the beads in the palms to me. It's when Jesus is speaking of the coming desertion of his disciples, and also is letting them know of the sacrifice that he is going to give for them. And then Peter steps in and opens his mouth, and he says, 
Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. How well do you think that works out for Peter? Yeah, not very well, does it? And Jesus lets him know, I really appreciate this. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, this very night, not even like next year, not even, you know, not even next week or or when you're really tired. No, this very night. This very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all and so said all the disciples. Everyone's like, Yeah, Jesus, we're with you to the end. We'll never let you down. Peter's convinced that he's going to stick with Jesus to the bitter end, that he will be faithful forever. But you know what? Peter's wrong. Right? We have the benefit of two centuries of hindsight to see that, or two millennia of hindsight, but uh, Peter's wrong. Peter can't hold the course. Peter's not faithful enough. He's not strong enough. He doesn't stick it out. He doesn't even make it through that night. Peter doesn't even know how weak he is. I can relate to Peter. Maybe you can too. I know what it's like to give up. Anyone else ever given up before? Right? It's not giving up by admitting it. Okay? So you can raise your hand if you're all right with that. Right? Anyone ever had a child before? Right? And has that child ever asked you for anything? Over and over and over again? Right? Until you finally get to the end of your rope and you're like, fine! Fine, have it! Just stop asking me. Right? You don't have, but you don't have to have children to experience this. I think we experience it in other parts of our life too. Maybe it's uh, at work. Maybe you had something that was just too hard for you. Or they were asking too much of you and you just could not do it. Or maybe you were, you were doing sports. You know, all of us have a limit when it comes to something like that. Or maybe it was a physical ailment. Maybe something happened to us. We got hurt. We got sick. And suddenly, what we thought was limitless was not. We realized that we were broken, hurting people. We all know what it's like to give up and how deep-seated that desire to quit is. The lesson we learn over and over again in our lives is that we've got limits. There are certain things we can't do. Anyone ever been in the hospital before? Or been really, really sick? Right? And did your doctor give you kind of a recovery time? They said maybe, maybe you had like a knee replaced or something. They said, take it easy for two months, three months. And did you ever disobey them? Yeah, and what happened? It hurts. That's right. You felt worse. You realized that, man, that doctor might know something about my body. That's right. Maybe they're smart about replacing knees or about sickness or whatever it was. Right? We realize we all have a limit. There is a point that we can't go beyond. We're not as strong as we thought. We're not as fast as we thought. We're not as good-looking as we thought, as wise as we thought, or as young as we thought, or as faithful as we thought. Peter hit his limit, and that limit caused him to deny Christ, his friend, his rabbi, his Messiah, and his God. Peter swore up and down that this would never happen, but later, as he was pressed about knowing Jesus, he denied knowing him three times. And then that darn rooster crowed, and Peter knew he had blown it. He'd messed up. He had denied. He had done exactly what he swore he was never going to do. 
What a fortunate thing it is that this happened to Peter. How wonderful it is that he denied Christ. Can you guess why? Why was it good that Peter denied him? What's that? Yeah, it fulfilled scripture, but it did something else to Peter, too. It humbled him. Peter got broken. Peter got broken. Peter reached the end of his ability, the end of his strength, the end of his natural talents, the end of everything he could do, and he went, bang, and fell right on his face. It revealed to Peter that he was a man with great weaknesses, and those weaknesses all happened to show up at the wrong time. Ultimately, it was this event, this denial of Jesus, that led to Peter's redemption. So in that way, it's very good. In that way, Peter's failure is the ultimate success for him. Each one of us are different from Peter. We're all unique creations of God, yet all of us share this fatal flaw of Peter in that we're all broken people. Thank God for that. I was just reading an interview um, with a comedian, Robin Williams. Anyone ever heard of that guy? Guy, so funny. Oh, my gosh. And so the, the reporter says to Robin, well, Billy Crystal, who's another comedian, Uh, says stand-up comedy is how you process the painful. And so then the reporter says, do we have to wish more painful things on you? Odd question, don't you think? Right, you know, he's saying, like, should we wish more painful things on you so you'll have a better repertoire for stand-up comedy? To which Robin replies, you don't have to. I find them. Right? We don't have to wish painful things on Robin Williams because he finds them. He is intimately acquainted with pain. We all are, right? In our lives, we don't have to go out looking for something. right? We just look right inside and we're like, ooh, that's not so pretty. That hurts a lot. This is the condition that we're all in, of being confronted with our own insufficiency. And it is the greatest thing in the world because that feeling of inadequacy pushes us back to Jesus. I know this man who's a great chef. But over the years, because of picking up too many hot pans and pots and stuff, he's lost the sensation of burning on his hands, right? He doesn't feel it when he grabs something hot anymore. And so one time I watched him reach in the oven and pull out a cast iron skillet with his bare hand. Do you think that, you think that burned his hand? Yes, it did. The sensation did not take away the, you know, just because he doesn't feel it doesn't mean that burning is not there anymore. That sensation is there to cause us to do the right thing, right? When you or I grab that pan, we say, oh, that's hot, and we get a hot pad, right, and pull it out with that, or we put on a glove or something, or we just leave it alone for somebody else to deal with, right? But he, because he couldn't feel it, was not able to make that decision, was not able to make that good choice and do the right thing. In the same way for us, when we realize our own brokenness like Peter did, remember, because after that cock crowed, Peter went out and wept. When we realize that, when we have those tears, when we have that feeling of shame, guilt, frustration, that is God's design working in you and me. We were designed to feel that way when our lives turn astray. Just like grabbing a hot pot or a hot pan causes you to let go and pull away, so as well our hearts are designed, when they realize that they are broken, to turn to the Savior. It's all designed by God 
to point us back to him. Now, I don't want to ruin the story for you, but this Sunday's reading are not the end. Because uh, what happens next Sunday? Okay, Easter, you're right. Now, you still have to come, okay? But, yes, Easter happens next Sunday. And what happens on Easter? Jesus rises from the dead, right? This is not the end of the story, right? It's not just this tragic, horrible end. No, Jesus rises from the dead. Our best motivations in our lives, they're like Mardi Gras beads or palm fronds, right? The things that, like Peter, where he said, I'll never deny you, Lord, they're like this, right? They might stick for a little while. They're kind of like New Year's resolutions. How many of you are still hanging with those? Right? They're kind of like those kind of things. They eventually fade. They eventually let us down. We find that we can't muster up enough strength or energy to sustain them, and we realize that we're broken people. But Jesus Christ is not that way. He never gets old and fades. He conquered the grave. He died, and yet death could not hold him, so through faith in him, we can have eternal life. Jesus is imperishable, all-powerful, and he is calling us into relationship with him. So if you find yourself in your life holding on to a faded string of Mardi Gras beads, they used to be beautiful, they used to be vibrant, they used to be shiny and attractive. If you find yourself with only corroded old um, palm fronds in your life, if you look inside your heart and say, ooh, that's not so pretty what I see in there, my prayer for you and for us is that we would turn to the Lord, that we would turn this brokenness over to him, And that in exchange, we would accept his grace, his love, and his forgiveness, which will never, ever fade away. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you take us broken, perishable, and hurting. Lord, and you offer us eternal life. You offer us hope for today. You offer us reconciliation with you. Lord, and I pray that you would give us the grace, Lord, to accept that free gift of love from you, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of healing. Lord, we turn over to you our brokenness. We turn over to you our pain. We turn over to you our failures, Lord. And we pray that you would reconcile us to you through the power of the cross. And may we leave this place filled with your joy, with your hope, and with your peace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.